Thank you. Y'all did come to worship Jesus, didn't you? Yes. You're not dependent on us, are you? I hope you're not. Because if we have a bad day, that don't mean you have to have one. We didn't have, but if we did, that don't mean y'all have to have one. Right? Because we're in this thing together. I'm so glad all of you are here. Welcome this morning. I hope that you're enjoying the fast. If you can enjoy a fast, I don't know if that's what it's supposed to be, something to enjoy or not. I decided I'd wear black today because I'm in fasting. And uh, man, I hate missing meals. I'll be honest with you. That's tough. But we're praying and we're believing. We've been praying for you. We're praying We've been dedicating ourselves all week uh, to the Lord. Today, we're taking a shift. We're going to be praying this week. I'm asking you to, uh, to pray over the church this week. I've got a few directives up here I typed out. They're by no means an exhaustive list, a list of things to pray over. Uh, but I want you, uh, if you want one of those to pray over, uh, you know, take those, just give you a guideline of what to pray for. And if you don't have anything to pray for, just pray for me and my family. And, and, and just pray for everybody around you. Uh, but I think there's enough. And then Wednesday night, we're going to come back and we're going to pray together again. All through this month, we're dedicating this first month to the Lord. How many of you got one of these little cards when you came in the door? If you didn't, uh, the ushers or somebody will grab some real quick. If you didn't get one, hold your hand up there, get one, put it in your hand. Uh, we decided we're doing everything that we can uh, to get information to you the best way that we can. So you might keep these with you over the next week. Put it in your Bible, pray over them. And uh, because we're, we're dealing this month, I normally don't do it like this, but we felt like this is what we were to do. Uh, just laying out vision and where I believe the Lord has us. Let me, I, I, let me start out with a dream. I had it later down the road, but I'll put it in here right now. I serve on the board of several, several different ministry organizations. And uh, I then uh, happened to be in a meeting this past week in Kentucky where there were three different ministries had gathered together for a time of retreat and a time of focus and, and just seeing what the Lord is doing and how to move into the future. And uh, these are major ministries, uh, all three of them. They're world changers. They literally have been touching the world for over 50 years, different parts of it, not only the world, but the nation. Some of the names you might be familiar with, and that's not important. I want to leave that alone. And some of them you would know. Uh, but we were together this week, and I'll be honest, it wasn't the most exciting board meeting. Uh, we had a great time being together, but it was taxing. It was tiring. Uh, I felt like the hours turned into days, and even though we were there, matter of fact, we got to making a joke of it because it seemed like we would get on areas and we would be there forever trying to figure out how things were going to work and how the future was going to look because there were a number of things involved. Two of those major things involved were this. One was a leader of one of the ministries passed away some time ago. Another one is getting older and he can't move like he once did. 
He's strong. He's got sons all over the world, but he just, he was honest enough. I cannot keep the pace of where, as I once did. It was obvious that we were dealing with a few changes. And it was a struggle because the change is, it wasn't that there was a, a fear of the change. Everybody was so excited, but there were just a number of things that seemed to be the issue that was hard to cross over and to be able to move forward because it was not going to look the same possibly after this, after this weekend that we were together. And so Friday morning, we, we stayed over at this beautiful cabin on a lake in Kentucky, all of us, and God gave me a dream. And in that dream, it, I believe it was for those guys, but I believe it was a dream about this house. And in that dream, we were in a new place. Uh, matter of fact, I know Larry and Miss Tina over here just moved in a, a new house this year. Uh, we moved into a new place. It wasn't brand new. It's theirs. They'd had theirs built. Ours had been around a while. Miss Piedad and her family has moved in a new home. And maybe several of you have. I, I don't know. But I knew we were in a new place. I recognized the people that were there. There were only a few, but that didn't mean anything about number. But they were there. And matter of fact, I'll just... For a moment, I, I, I'm going to use you. I didn't think I would, but I will. It was like we were at your new place. I knew, I don't know if it was their house, but I knew this place was fresh. It was modern. It was, it was something different. I didn't see everything, just saw a little bit. But then what really caught my attention was one of our older saints that have already gone to be with the Lord, Mert Patterson. And Mert was in that dream. And Miss Tina, you were having to help with her. She couldn't walk any longer. She was in a wheelchair, actually. And uh, she evidently had been in your care and was coming into this new place. But she's fighting to go back. And that really caught my attention. She's fighting with everything she has. I don't like it here. I don't like it here. I want to go back. And I woke up out of that dream and I thought, okay, God, what's this all about? And the more I just thought about it, I presented what I felt like to those guys and I've meditated on it uh, all weekend long. And whether it was even for us, but I really believe it's for this house. Mert, if any of you know Mert, I, I know maybe a lot of our new ones may not, but Mert was a founding individual. I'm going to say it like that when I came here. She's one of the per first people that I met in a sense that when I was pastoring her and John, I told you all this a few weeks ago. When I came here, she had been given the responsibility to take care of me and Diane while I drive back and take me to lunch on, on Sunday morning after service. I never will forget where we went and why she took me there. I don't know because it wasn't the most grandest place, but she said, we're going to go, we're going to go to the hospital and eat. I thought, well, that's exciting. You, you know, I mean, it's food. It really didn't matter, but I just won't forget that. But I'd sat with Merton John many times and I'd hear them pray. 
And I remember her husband, John, telling me, Pastor, I remember when they lined these walls. He said, we were lined up all the way around these walls of this auditorium. We were hand in hand. And we were praying. If I heard that story once, I heard it. I heard it a million times. And even Mert would pray. And she said, Pastor, I'm believing for God for great things. She prayed with people all the time. She was a great intercessor. And I thought, Lord, what is this picture all about? Why is Mert in this picture? Because now we're riding in on the prayers of saints before us. I'm declaring to you that we are in a new place in the Lord. And it is not going to look like yesterday. And it's not going to sometimes even feel like yesterday. But she prayed for the future. God, I want you to move. God, I want you to move. She can't walk into this. She can't live in this one. She's gone. But she was screaming as she saw it. I don't like it here. I want to go back to my comfort zone. But that wasn't all the picture because it was another part of the picture. Same vision, same dream. But in that dream, and I had to ask Larry back there. Sorry, Larry. I had to ask Larry something because it was so real. And I think the reason they were in it was because I would identify with what was happening. Because back there, they were praying for the future. She didn't want it. But you're not going to live in this place or in this new place with hidden things in your heart thinking that nobody's going to know it. Because in this place is going to be a place that God is going to unfold the secret things that have hindered and have held up his people from being who they're supposed to be. I believe that. And so I want you to get ready. All right. I'm letting you know that. I'm letting you know that because I really believe. Let's say it together. We're in a new place. You know, I've never been one over the years. All my years, I'm getting ready. Believe it or not, this is surely coming out different than I planned. So hang with me again, Miss Mindy. It's not your fault. I've been almost doing this now for 40 years, pastoring. I grew up in church. For you that didn't know me and my wife, we grew up in church. Grew up in the same church, Pentecostal to the bone. And it's all that I've ever been. I remember when I first started pastoring. When I first started pastoring, I had, I had a, 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 a man, it was a rough man, six months, it was tough. And church was given to me kind of like it was given here. I was helping my brother and he was working and he said one day, I come to his office, I said, you're getting ready to leave, aren't you? He said, yeah, I'm going to put you up in front of the people more. And he said, I've got to work more. And he said, then I'll just turn it over somewhere to you down the road. Well, I didn't know, know that he was going to do this the next Sunday morning. 
I'm sitting on the platform as Pentecostal preachers did in that day. And I'm sitting on the platform and, and he's preaching away and he was a preaching machine. And if you, this is Chris's dad, by the way, uh, 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 Miss Kelsey's grandfather. And uh, I mean, he was a preaching machine and he gets done. He says, all right, by the way, today is my last Sunday and here's your new pastor sitting here and Diane's on the front row and her mouth goes, because she had no clue, and I didn't either, that that was going to happen. We launched into that next six months. It was the worst six months I think I've ever had. But I knew I was in the plan of God because I've always felt that God had called me to minister. It just didn't open up the way that I thought. I never will forget the Sunday morning that I had a family come to me after the end of Sunday morning service. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night. This brother come and said, hey, pastor, we're not going to be here tonight. We're going to take a van load of people and we're going to drive to Evansville, Indiana, and we're going to see Jimmy Swaggart. I looked at him, I looked at him, you know, right in the eye, grinned as big as I could. And I thought, brother, that, these are the words, man, I'm so glad for you people. But he just stuck a knife in my heart because here's what he was telling me. I thought I looked at him. I've been struggling. I'm preaching the best I could. I was getting Jonah messed up with Abraham and Abraham messed up with Jesus. I mean, it was rough. It was tough. I'm telling you. And, uh, but in that day, you had guys like Jimmy Swaggart. You had guys like R.W. Shambach. Anybody ever seen any of these guys? They were the top guns of the day. And of course, my pastor that we were under was a preaching machine. And so was my brother. And I thought, first of all, dude, you're taking a van load of people and you're going to drive two and a half hours, three hours away. I thought, you've never brought one person to this church. I know you don't have a van, so you're going to have to go borrow one. You're going to go drive and you don't put anything in this church, but you're going to spend the money for gas to get there. So basically, this is what it was telling this young pastor. If you don't do it, to, if, if you don't do, unless you do it like R.W. Shambach and Jimmy Swaggart and all these other people, then you're really not doing anything. I worked in those days. I worked for the power company. I don't know why I'm telling you this story. So just hang with me. I got a message to preach. And uh, I worked for the power company. I was broken. It hurt me. I come home the next day from work. I go into my bedroom, grab my Bible. I fall across the bed and open it up because I had to have an answer. I was ready. I was done. And I had to have an answer. And the Lord spoke to me out of the book of 1 Peter. And this is what he said. He said, let every man minister according to the ability of which I give him to minister. God told me right then, you don't have to be those guys. Be who I've called you to be. Be what I've called you to be. And that set me free. That was a freeing moment in my life. I've used that with a lot of young ministers that I've helped and talked into and parted into their life to some degree. Because it freed me up. I didn't have to run with everybody. I didn't have to do it like everybody else. But if we're not careful, we feel that. We feel that pressure because we think that success my brother was pastoring in St. Louis a little bit after that. Went to a meeting there, a prophet that I didn't know. I, I was just a young dude, a prophet there. He said, you're not going to be like your brothers. 
I had brothers in ministry and such as that. So he said, you're not going to be, your ministry will be totally different than your brother's. As a matter of fact, I think it was him that went on to say, he said, you're not going to, you're going to be able to flow into different circles and different moves of the Lord. And all my life, that's why I've always walked where I'm at. I had opportunities to be the assembly of God. Had opportunities to go to the church of God. I've had opportunities for other organizations to come and say, hey, will you be a part of us? And every time I, I kept feeling, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I, I, I feel like this is what God has created me. Not that they're bad, not that I'm bad or they're wrong or whatever. But I realize that the kingdom of God is much bigger than just one flow. Hello. And all my life, I've been, I don't know if you call me a, I don't call myself a revivalist as some are. I don't call myself a teacher as some call themselves teachers. I feel like I'm far from being a good pastor, but I know that I've got a word in me and I know that God uses me to encourage. And I believe there's a prophetic part of me of my preaching and teaching that I bring out and I, and I flow in that. And I believe today I could go into any auditorium among any group and I believe I could go in and I could bring the word of the Lord that will bring life and victory without offending any of them and telling them possibly how wrong they are. I believe that some of you have been with me and traveled with me where I've gone. Sometimes those that are with me will tell, they'll tell you you're different when you're away. Well, I operate that way. I don't know why, just where it is. Again, I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but I got to tell you, but there are different flows and there are different moves, even in the hour of which we're in. I find myself, if I'm not careful, that I'll find myself pulling into something over here that will actually pull me away of where, from where I'm really supposed to be if I'm not careful. Because I like it. Because it feeds me to some degree. I, I've learned over time that I have walked with different moves. At time, I've walked with different things just for season. And then all of a sudden, Miss Judy, it left. And I don't know why it left. I've had friends that we were very close to that we talked to all the time. Then all of a sudden, we're not talking no more. I'm thinking, what did I do? Where did I miss it? Where did I blow it? Somebody asked me about my dear friend, Jan Painter. Prophetess Jan Painter, the rapping grandma. She'd been here numbers of times, has spoken to our life from very beginning of our ministry to now. I hadn't talked to her probably in three, four, five years maybe. I've called her so many times. Hey, Jan, this is Pastor Zach. Call me back. No message. Not a phone call. I just had to reserve. I've dealt with it. You know, hey, did I, did I offend her? Did I not take good care of her when she was here last? All right, which one of you servants messed with her while she was here? Did she don't want to get back to us? You know, I wrestled all of that, but I realized it was none of that. But it was God. It's been the Lord. And if I talk to her, I'm going to rejoice. But I believe that God has put something within us, even in this house. This house has gone through move after move after move. 
But I believe God is trying to bring something even greater to us that doesn't look like anything that we've walked in. But I believe the Lord is trying to bring something greater because it's his move. And we, the only one that's going to get the glory for it isn't going to be Pastor Zach. It's not going to be anybody else but him and him alone. Jesus is the one that is the center of the attention. See, I believe with all my heart. I've always believed. When I left Paducah and came here and I couldn't figure out why he sent me to Cape Girardeau. But I realized after a short time, I, I didn't come here to do anything different than I was doing in Paducah. The vision was the same. And just like I put it up, would you put our vision statement up? This is a purpose. And a lot of this has to do with me. But I believe it's the purpose of this church. We exist to lead people to a life within the fullness of God. And if you don't know what that life is, Jesus didn't come to die just to get you to heaven. If he was going to do that, you would have already been there. But I believe he come to set you free. I believe he come to turn your world around. I believe he come to pick you up so that you could enjoy heaven life right here in this present time under the circumstances that our crazy world is in. We're here to declare to people, Jesus came to give them life and to give it more abundantly. You know what? I'm going to be very honest. I am tired of hearing God's going to do. I, I, I'm sick. I, everywhere God's fixing to do. I've heard it for 15 years. God's fixing to do. Well, will somebody tell me what God is doing? Come on, somebody. What is God doing? He already done it. I was in a meeting with, uh, I was in a meeting a few years ago with the young, uh, with an old evangelist, a small ministry by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Only gets a few people come to his meeting. His last meeting was just under th uh, 4 million people. In his last meeting, that's not by video. That was in a field. And I never will forget, I had the privilege and the honor to step into that meeting with Reinhard Bonnke, about 200 of us. The first words out of his mouth is this. He looked at all of us, pointed that finger at us, and with that raspy voice that he had or his, you know, accent that he was carrying, he said, I'm telling you, everybody's praying for an open heaven. He said, I'm declaring to you, God opened it on Pentecost. It is over the land. It is open. And he has never closed it back. I got to be in a meeting with the, uh, Oh my, Lester Summerall. Just weeks before he, maybe months rather, before he would pass. Never will forget the first time he walked in. We were in a luncheon about 25 or 30. And Lester Summerall, how many knows who Lester Summerall is? Lester Summerall's been all over the world. He's cast out more demons than what you could ever imagine. And I mean big demons, not little neighborhood demons, big stuff. And he walked into that room and the first words out of his mouth when he stood up, he said, gentlemen, I want you to know I'm 80 years old and I'm utterly fulfilled. 
He said, I have done everything that God has told me to do and I'm ready to go. And he said, now you guys are going to carry on with what God has already established and what he's promised that he would do. It stirred us. It stirred every one of us in that room. I want you to know that every one of us in this room are in a spot by the hand and the purpose of God. If God brought you here this morning, he didn't bring you here to change us. He brought you here to align you with the purpose that's been in this house for years and that God is ordering it to happen. And I believe that purpose is to bring people to the fullness of God, to the fullness of Christ, that, that to the fullness of life that is in Christ. I don't know about you, Doc, but I read this word that he said, by his stripes, I'm healed. I don't know about you. He said, I could be set free. I don't know about you. He said, I could live in joy and peace and happiness. I don't know about you. He said, I could walk on the water. I don't know what you heard. He didn't say I had to live like a pulper. He didn't say I had to live like a beggar. He said, I could live like a king and I could have the desires of my heart. And if this word says it, that's what I'm after. Hello. Man, I go to more places that, de de that destroy more people than bring them to the life of Jesus. Hello. You don't have to tell them how bad they are. They already know how bad they are. What they want to know is how to be set free. What I'm really talking about, I'm talking about the kingdom of God manifesting here upon the earth that all men are going to see Jesus the king. Listen, we Pentecostal carriers, I'm getting to the end. Hang on. Y'all good? I've got three more weeks to preach like this. Hallelujah. It's the kingdom. I want you to hear something. It's not just an experience. It's not just a moment. It's not just a feeling. It's a life. It's a life lived that may contain a moment. That may contain a feeling. That may contain an experience. It's more than what we, it's a life that I live, not just when I come to church, but it's the life I live 24-7. Hello? You know, we Pentecostal charismatics, we constantly live for moments. So what do we do when the moment's not there? Well, God didn't show up. Hello, some of you feel that now. Because we didn't slobber, roll on the floor, jump over pews. Sheep. Pastor Bath's going to have to come home. <laughs> Just kidding, Pastor. I know you're watching me. We'll have coffee in the morning. But we are. We live for experience. I, I want to say something to you. I love experience. I, I love moments. I loved encounters. But when I leave here, I don't leave Jesus in here. I take Jesus with me everywhere that I go. Most people leave Jesus at the house. Can't wait to get back to the house. Can't wait to get back to the house. Why? 
Because that was your last experience place. That was your last feeling place. Well, I got news for you. You ought to be encountering him every day. You ought to be having a moment in your home. You ought to be having a feeling on your job. You ought to feel that ooey-gooey knowing that Jesus is with you. We're here to bring people to the fullness of life that is in Christ Jesus. See, when you and I are walking in this thing, others are going to see it and know it. I had two testimonies within two days. Let me share them with you real quick. One of them came from my brother. He said, you got to understand my brother. He turned the church over to his son a few years ago. And Bob just, he loves people. He ministers at the hospital. He goes everywhere. He just loves people. He went to the hospital the other day to pray for somebody. He said he's walking in or walk through the hospital. He said, just doing his thing. He wasn't dressed up. He don't dress up anymore. He wears jeans and a shirt and, you know, like everybody else. So there wasn't nothing about him that would identify him being a pastor. He's walking down the hall and he noticed that there was a, that there was a custodial worker or something. He said he was just pushing a, a cart of some kind. And he said, that guy just kept following him. He said, they got to a spot. He said, the guy, he looked at the guy and said hello to him. And the young man just spoke to him and said, hey, when I got up close to you, I felt something. I felt something. That's why I've been following you. I felt something. And he said, who are you? And, and my brother just introduced himself. He said, I'm, I'm Pastor Robert Strong. He said, it must have been the Lord in you. That draw me in my, it opened up a conversation with my brother. And my brother began to ask him where he was with the Lord. He wasn't serving God. Evidently he knew the Lord, but it gotten away from him. And my brother just began to talk to him right there. He said, man, I've been away. This happened, blah, blah. And my brother just simply asked him, don't you believe that Jesus could change your life or would forgive your sins? He said, I know he would. He said, then why don't we just pray about that right here in the hallway? So my brother just prayed this simple prayer, led him to the Lord, led him through a prayer of repentance and forgiveness and embracing Jesus. And my brother said when he ended the prayer, the guy was aglow. And he looked at my brother and said, I will never ever forget this moment that I've encountered Jesus here. May I declare something to you. This is going to sound arrogant and prideful. But I don't think it's just for me, but I think it for everybody in this room. I believe that you and I are going to be the next big deal. Listen, how many of you? I have. Oh, Miss Judy knows this. Man, I want y'all, y'all can touch me after church. I've had, I have drove Benny Hinn in my church van. In my van. Right next to me. Me and Diane led worship for him in Paducah years ago. My church did. I picked him up at the airport. I got to talk to him the whole way. I drive and look at him and talk. Oh, brother, keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> Hello. Oh, my. I done told you some. I've got to shake their hand. Here a number of years ago when we were running in Pastor Rod Parsley's fellowship, 
man, I got to go back into his personal quarters, got to go to his house, got to go on his jet, take a ride on it. Any of you get to do that? Come on, y'all can come touch me after service, all right? It's all over me. Funny, isn't it, Michael? But you know, there's a reality to that. No, the reality is, I was in the presence of somebody great. And man, that's where I want to be. We do it with athletes. We do it with movie stars. We do it with, oh, I got to go be. I got to go be with, at the backstage with Bethel Worship. I got to go be here. I got, I've got autographs of all this stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Not a bit. But we've made them the big deal. And I believe what the Lord is saying, they're not the big deal. If you're chasing the big deal, you're going to run out of paper. But you need to come to realize that God wants to make you the big deal in this hour. That whoever comes in contact with you, their world is going to be changed. But you're going to have to hold, you're going to have to hold to something strong. Of what you're about. Of what you're here for. What you're called to do. Even for us as a church. We're not here to do everything. I'm just going to settle something real quick. Not called to do everything. I don't have a heart for a soup kitchen. I don't have a heart to give clothes away right now. I'm not saying it's wrong for those who do. It's not where I'm at. Don't have a heart for daycare. Thought about it. We did it for a while. Didn't work. Or we let it go. Let me just say it like that. I don't have a heart for everything under the sun. I'm not looking for meetings every night. But what I do have a heart is I want to see you so radically transformed. And that you're living out the very breath, the very essence of the word that is being taught in this place. That because of the testimony you carry, we will not be able to contain the people that come in because they see the life of Jesus working in you. Oh, Jesus, help this pastor. Y'all pray for me, all right? So our vision... We're moving this year. I don't know how everything is. You know, in a new house, I'm going to use their house a moment. Don't anybody get scared. Things adjust. Larry's already happening to tear a wall out in this house. Right? Because Miss Tina can't open her refrigerator all the way. It's all right during the fast. I mean, a brand new house. They spent a ton getting there. They're adjusting. She put Larry in the basement. They're adjusting. Y'all know we moved. I don't mow the grass, hallelujah. I walk about 50 feet to my fishing hole, praise God. But there's things we're not happy with. It doesn't meet everything that we want. That may be meaning I may be moving at some point, just not today. But everything has an adjustment. 
everything, no matter what you're doing. I've had to adjust my, my car. My garage went from big to small. And we got storage in there. And I'm trying to put two cars in there. And I can't get out but one way in there. If I put Diane's car in, she pulls in, I have to back in, and then I have to squeeze up to get out between the two of us. Everything has a moment that it has adjustments. We just don't give a lot of grace for the moment. And I'm asking you, as we're talking vision, I believe we're in our best days and our greatest days, and things will always adjust. It'll always adjust because we're getting older and things are happening. Let me, I got to land the jet right here. I got just a few minutes, just a few minutes. Today, real quickly, I, I'm, I'm going to continue on, but you got this little card. And on the back of this card, I want to deal with something. I want to deal with our core values. Because remember, we're here for the purpose, for the purpose of bringing everybody into the fullness of, to the life in the fullness of Christ. But on the back, it's going to be our purpose because everything has to have a purpose. Everything has to have a foundation. It's going to stand upon. Let me give you a definition of what core values are. I think they're going to put it up on the screen. This is what I want you to get. Listen, this shouldn't just be our core values for our church. This ought to be the core values for our lives. Listen, this is what we stand upon. Here, here's our... Core value statements like this. They help define and shape what we are for and how we lead and serve. We are multi-generational and we're multi-ethnic, but we must be one culture as a church. And the core values are the foundations and the guides for our culture. Understand that. This church is always going to be a mixed house of people. Of red, yellow, black, and white. We're all precious in his sight. Hello. I love it when we come from different places. But I can't have one group pulling here, another group pulling there, and another group pulling here. The Bible said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. So the more that we find what our values are and what we're built upon... The stronger the unity is. Oh man, that's a good, good, that's a good godly word because that's where God said my anointing is. He said, I've already commanded blessing in that place. There's your definition to define and shape what we are for and how we lead and serve. We are multi-generational. That ought to be good news for the older folks in the house. Hello. <coughs> that ought to be great news. Because there was a time society says you're no longer needed. And still says it to some degree. But we need you. And we need the young. And we need all in between. Core values are traits and qualities. That are not just worthwhile. They represent. They represent. Uh, in, they represent an individual or an organization's highest priority. Deeply held beliefs and core Fundamental values. When I went to Burger King here recently, Miss D works there. She's one of our people. She's a manager there. So it was the first day they opened with a new slogan, I think, this year. 
you rule. And I thought, really? They even had a paper crown there I could have put on my head. But I thought, you know what? I, sorry, D. Uh, I don't think I ruled too well. Because I'm, hey, I need some coffee. And nobody came. Hey, I need this. Nobody looked me up. See, we see everywhere that's holding values but not being able to keep it. For the first time in my life, I think, well, I shouldn't say my life. For the first time in a long while, just a few weeks ago, I walked out of a restaurant after sitting there for two hours almost and never getting my food. Just simply because we've become a culture that says, I've got this, but we don't have values and we're not holding to it. Therefore, things can't function the way they're supposed to function. So here's our value. I'm only going to deal with two of them real quickly. Here they are. First value, the most important one. We keep Jesus at the center. We are Jesus people, not religious people. And all we do is built and based and focused on the gospel of Jesus. This church is all about Jesus. Our lives is all about Jesus. You know, it, it'll change you if you could get this. Because the reality is, if your value, you make this place all about Jesus, your worship will change. Because you will not be dependent on any other thing but your heart to say, I'm coming for Jesus. Listen, I love the miraculous. I love the supernatural. Everybody's talking about it. I love miracles and I'm believing for them. And we're going to see them. But that's not what I'm chasing. Uh-oh, y'all just got real quiet right there. I found something in the Word recently. We've been reading, I have been reading through the New Testament in my fast time. I found something in the book of Matthew. Chapter 11, I believe it is. Jesus had gone into an area called Capernaum. And Capernaum was a place that Jesus cast out many devils. It was a place that he opened a number of blinded eyes. It was a place that he fed 5,000 people. It was a place that numbers of numbers of miracles had been done. And everybody encountered it. But in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said something that'll shake you. He was talking to Chorazin, an area, because of what they did. But he said, woe to you, Capernaum. Because if the miracles... And the things I've done would have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah. It would have remained. But you didn't change. Matter of fact, he said, there's no repentance. Y'all better go read the book. Because see, we just think if everybody's going to see a miracle, they're going to change. Or if we think we give out food to everybody, they're going to change. That's not true. I believe in miracles. I believe in helping. I believe, but it's Jesus that's going to change them. 
I'm just saying, listen, please don't anybody misunderstand. I'm not saying we're not going to believe in healing. We're not going to believe in miracles. I'm just saying Jesus is going to be the center of it all. And we're going to follow him. After all, Jesus is the absolute only one. We are not a religious people. We are a people that is built and based and focused upon Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the world. It was the Father's solution to a sinful world that you and I couldn't change. And God sent his son from heaven to earth to come and take upon my sin and your sin so that we could be free. He didn't send some other preacher. There's only one. He sent Jesus. That's why Paul, Paul talked about it like this. He said, I've got one message and it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's him and his cross. He said, for me to live is Christ. Hello. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly in John 10, 10. This is why we want Jesus to be the sinner. Because in John 10, 16, he said, I'd laid down my life for the sheep. In John 1, he said, I'm the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. In John 1, 14, he said, he became the word that was made flesh. Listen to this in Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. He said, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. He wasn't just saying, I'm the Alpha. Alphabet, the Alpha and Omega was the alphabet of the land of that day. The Greek alphabet. And what they were, what he was absolutely stating. I am that I am. And there is none greater from the beginning nor to the end or in between. He was saying, I am the only one. I'm the supreme one that has all rule and all preeminence in the earth. It's all about Jesus. By him, all things exist and consist. He created all things. Why would we chase after anything else? Well, I want us to grow up. Listen, we're in a world, if what I hear from everybody else, you better know how to handle the moment. And if we're not grown up, did you know the only people in the world that quit their gospel as Christians? The rest of them will die for it. And if we don't see something, we quit. We're discouraged. But he said, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Isaiah 53, 5 said, he was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace is upon him. And with his stripes, we were healed. Therefore, he paid the price for my sin and failure. He took the punishment I deserved. He healed all of my sickness. He restored me back to my place that I was originally designed to walk in. And he called me blessed. And matter of fact, he said, I call you my friend. And I want to walk with you and talk with you. I want to be a part of your life it's all about Jesus are you okay here's the second one the last one I got to land this jet worship team make your way back we're spirit led we depend on God's guidance in our lives so we can walk and pass he wants us to walk we pray about everything and we live according to his word Listen, you're not going to be a spirit-led person coming here, Hyundai, Shondai, flaw on the floor, prophesy over everybody, and then go out there and live like hell. That's not what a spirit-filled person is. 
spirit-filled person, this is life. You know, you'd see I, this little saying. Some kids would say it like this. You're not but full of prunes because of the way you're acting. See, the way we live depicts who we really are. We're spirit-led. Pastor, I, I, I just chase after, I just follow the Spirit. Really? Where's He taking you? Where's He carrying you? I, I don't know. I'm just following Him. Because here's what Jesus said. I got to believe it. it's in the Bible. John 16, verse 13, Jesus said something like this. Uh, before that, he said, it's expedient for you that I go away. That, that if I go, I'll send the comforter to you. And then he said, when he comes, however, when he comes, the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. And look here, and he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You know that the Holy Spirit is never pulling us away from Jesus. He's never pulling us away from Jesus. He's always telling us what Jesus has done. He's always confirming everything that Jesus has done. He empowers us. Isn't this interesting? Think about this for a moment. Never thought about this recently. I got this Bible made up of 66 different books. I think it's 39 Old Testament, 27 New, I believe is what it is. Scholars help me. Just New Testament alone. Four books, four books talked all about Jesus. First, how it opens up in New Testament. Everything that Jesus did for us, first four books. One book, the book of Acts, talks to us about the empowering of the Holy Spirit to live out the life of Jesus. The next 22 books, is that right? I think so. The next 22 books is constantly adjusting us to stay focused to the life of Jesus. Now think about that for a moment. Paul comes to Corinth, church that was moving and Man, they were flowing. They just had a few things. But Paul writes this letter to him, or he goes visits them, whatever. And he said, hey, I've come to straighten a few things out. I'm, I'm trying to bring you back to Jesus. All through the book, it tells us how we're to live. It's, I don't know. I just found it fascinating for me. Four books to reveal Jesus. One book to empower me so that I could live it out. In the next 22, that constantly adjusting my life. That's how important it is and how easy it is for us to scramble if we're not careful. People come all of that. I feel led of Holy Spirit to do this. And it ain't no more the Spirit of God than the man on the moon. But they've learned, we've learned to get into things that doesn't edify Jesus. Matter of fact, just a couple things real quick and I'm done. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 14, I believe it is in verse 17. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink. But it's righteousness 
peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's righteousness. I believe it's right with the Father. I believe it's right with, within ourselves. But I also believe this. The kingdom means we're going to treat each other right. We're going to reveal Jesus in our relationships. We're going to reveal Him in our dealings. I'm not going to be a cheat. I'm not going to, if I'm a business person, I'm not going to take advantage of anybody. Oh, that was the other testimony I left out the other day. Pastor came to me and he said, Hey, I got to tell you what happened. He's a great pastor. Great pastor. And he said, I, I, I run this businessman came to my church. He said, Man, he's a heathen. He said, I've never heard a man use the F word so many times in all my life. He said, I don't think he can talk without using it. And he don't care who's around. Got a very prominent business. He came to his church. He said, I think he was raised some other way back there. Something else, I'll just leave that nameless. He said he knew nothing. Pastor gives the altar call that morning. He said, you know, just a service like this. And he said, the man come, but he said, I don't know that if he knew what he was coming for. He said, he came and we prayed for him. And you know, he didn't show any great, you know, demonstrative thing or anything like that. He said, left, left and he said, I got a call to meet with him. He said, I've been following you. He has this business. I don't know how many employees he has. He said, I want you to come to my business and I want you to teach my people of my business. I want you to mentor them. Business affairs, marketplace. So the brother started going. He said, man, this man cursed like a sailor. Terrible. Everybody knew it. But he said something began to happen. His language changed. He said, the employees are astonished. Matter of fact, the guy comes into one of the meetings recently. Into one of the meetings, he, the owner of the business said, every one of you are going to start going to his church. Matter of fact, they put him, pastor was so moved. He said, no, 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 y'all not doing that. That's his idea. The pastor was so moved. But through that, God began to bless and God's transforming. Matter of fact, not only through that business, it opened up a door because people are seeing what God is doing as he's gone in and he's just simply taking Jesus into the marketplace. He's gone in now another door. He's got two doors and he's under contract for the year to go into these places to teach on the principles of the kingdom in the marketplace. Church, it is happening. But we've got to have our dealings in righteousness. We need to be walking in peace. Man, I'm so tired of churches arguing, bickering, fighting, dividing. Years ago, I took Pentecost off my church name. Because every church in the town was divided. And everybody knew which split it come from. we got to find somewhere to have peace. And it comes within the Holy Ghost. And then it went on to say this, and joy. Joy is a mark of the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't know. I better put mirrors up here because I'm going to let you be the judge. 
Because if I was the judge this morning, y'all sucking pickles. So it must have been something. It must be the fast. So I'll leave it right there right now. But next week, here's another part of the Holy Ghost. Now there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. We're not condemning the world. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but I come to give them life. I come to save them. I'm not condemned myself. I'm not walking and living under condemnation in the Holy Ghost. But that's our core, that we are guided and led by the Holy Ghost. He leads us in ways of peace and righteousness and joy. He promotes everything that is Jesus. We've always been that way. We're going to continue to be that way. We want it to be stronger. I want it to be your life. That you are following Jesus with everything in you. We're in one of the greatest hours. Remember in that dream I had? Remember that dream? Your heart's going to get exposed in this season. I'm not talking about what I'm doing. I'm talking about in the kingdom business. That it will reveal exactly where you are. And things that you thought that you were carrying that nobody knew about. Matter of fact, I had to ask Larry. Larry, do you do this? I knew better. I'll just leave that right there. I knew better. I knew him. But I believe God was showing me. He was just using him to show me something. God wants to bring you into a place in Him that you are walking in His fullness, His grace, His love, His goodness, His kindness, His health, His wealth, like you and I have never walked in it before. Come on and stand with me, will you? Father, I want everything that you have. I don't want to be held back from anything. If your word said I can walk in it, I want to walk there. If you said, God, that I could do this, then I want to do it. And I want to see that for every person in this house. Lord, I want every person in this house, every person that ever walks into this place, that they encounter you as the one true God. Father, that their hearts are touched, that they're convicted, they're moved, God, by your mighty hand. That they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not religion, it's not this, God, but God, it is simply you, Jesus. I ask for your grace. God, I ask you this morning where we have followed our flesh and done our thing. I ask you this morning, Lord, that you would forgive us when our values have been out of whack, when our sight wasn't where it needed to be. But God, that we are right where you 